morning, and you would, find Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, and Mark chapter 8 is the only time that Jesus says something about Himself in a certain way. Now, it is recorded not only in Mark, but also in Matthew, but it is the only time Jesus makes a statement about Himself in this way. And this morning the title of the sermon is God Cares for Us. And you say, well, Jake, that's a, that's a simple title. Yes, it is. But so many times I think the longer we serve the Lord and the more we know about God and the more we know about His Word, sometimes we forget the simple things. The simple things that God cares about us. That God is working and moving in the simplest Moments. I think sometimes we can look at ourselves and say, well, that's too small of an issue for God, or God really doesn't need to know about that. And, but today what we see is that God cares about something that is very insignificant in the grand scheme of things to most of us, and that is the need to eat. Most of us don't think about, well, I need to pray about the need to eat. It's just something that happens and I get hungry and and um, you say, well, Jake, there's got to be a, a bigger spiritual um, reason behind it. But really, no. And sometimes when you read the Bible, you just need to read it and understand this is what it means. This is just what it is. And this is important this morning because when we look at life, many of the problems that we face in life are a result of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the Bible says... It affected the whole world. That's why there's disease. That's why there's natural disasters. That's why there's death and pain and sorrow. It is because when Adam and Eve sinned, they brought the curse of sin onto the world. But this morning, we are looking at Jesus for the second time in the New Testament, feeding the multitude. But I want you to know something. Eating and being hungry was not a result of the fall. They were eating non-meat before the fall, fruits and vegetables and those things. But hunger, the need to eat, has always been how God created the body to work. You say, Jake, how do you know that? Because death did not enter until after sin. And so the first animal was killed as a sacrifice. And so it would have been something other before that. And you say, wait, their hunger moved Jesus to make a statement that He nowhere else made about Himself. Yes. You say, well, what about when the demon-possessed little girl? He didn't say it about Himself. What about when the woman with the flow of blood? He didn't say it about Himself. That we have recorded in Scripture. Well, what about the blind and the demon-possessed man and all of these other times? Why this one? And this morning I hope to show that, and I hope that you will reminded and be reminded that God cares for you. And so if you would pray with me this morning, and we'll go through the Word. Father, we thank You for Your love and mercy and grace toward us. Father, I pray that You would help us to see You in the simple things. Lord, in the things that we overlook. Lord, today I pray that You would help us and to encourage us and to remind us, Lord, just how good you truly are to us. And Lord, this morning I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 
And so if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope that you will, Jesus, we see here that Jesus cares for us. Jesus cares for us. Look at verses 8, in chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called His disciples to Him and said to them, I have compassion. Those three words, if you underline in your Bible, underline those three words. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way. For some of them have come from afar. If you remember what's going on here, Jesus had left the pagan Gentile area and was coming back to the Sea of Galilee. He was coming back to the Jewish people. And so there was a multitude of people following Him. And He's teaching and He's healing. And this has gone on for three full days. And so today when we're done at 11.15, I I can't imagine how hungry some people are, right? Or 11.30 or or heaven forbid 11.45, right? And it's like, we've got to go. But Jesus had taught and healed and worked for three days. You say, well, I'd sit for three days if, if you were Jesus. And you're right, I'm not. So we'll just keep it as it is. But what we see here is these people had only worried about serving the Lord and being where God was and experiencing what God had for them. And Jesus looks out at them and says, I have compassion. That word for I have compassion, it comes uh, from a word that means feel in the very most inner being. From the seat of your emotions, whether it's the heart or the gut or the soul, wherever it all comes from in the explanation that God gives us, He says He felt it to His very core that He had compassion on them. And you say, well, Jake, why would He have compassion on them for being hungry for three days? You could live longer than that. This wasn't a life-threatening need. It was definitely a concern because he says they could have fainted. It was an inconvenience because they would have had to go home. And you say, why in this situation would he say this and the writer of Scripture record it? This is what I believe. You can disagree with me. You can be wrong and it will not bother me at all. Because I believe so many times we do not believe that God cares about the purposes and situations that we are going through in the day-to-day life. I believe we think, okay, it's cancer, it's death, it's divorce, it's these big things, then I can run to God. But what He wants us to see from this passage of Scripture is even the everyday things of our life, God cares about us. You say, well, Jake, that Bible doesn't teach that. Well, the Bible says that He knows the sparrows. He knows the hair on your head. All of these things giving us this idea, right? The flowers, they don't plant, they don't work, but yet they grow in all their beauty. I believe so many times that we are facing problems in our lives or we are going through situations that we think that God doesn't care about, that God's not worried about, that God isn't interested in. And what Jesus is showing us 
even the basic needs of our life, God cares about. God is involved with. That's why we see here in every area of our life, this can be true. Let's look at it from a physical aspect, right? The Bible tells us that God will meet our needs, right? Not to worry. In regards to our spiritual life, the Bible tells us that God is compassionate. Listen to what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 36. The nation of Israel was at one of its most wicked points. And listen to how God viewed them. How God cared about them. Starting in verse 14 of 2 Chronicles chapter 36, the Bible says these words, Moreover, all, not some, not a majority, all, moreover, all the leaders of the priest and the people transgressed more and more. That means all the religious people had abandoned God and were living wicked lives according to all the abominations, not some of the abominations, all of the abominations. That means they were partaking in child sacrifice. That means murdering little children to false gods. That means they were participating in all of the pagan worship and, and different things that were going on. And they defiled the house of the Lord, which He had consecrated in Jerusalem. That means the sins were even going on in the temple. They were as broken and as wicked and as fallen as they could possibly be. And in the New Testament, you could relate it to Romans chapter 1 and listen to how the Lord responds. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by His messengers, rising up early and sending them because He had compassion on His people and on His dwelling place. You see, friends, even in our physical life, even in our spiritual life, God views His children with compassion. That doesn't mean that He stopped warning them. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet to remind them to repent and to return. And He promised them that if they would repent and return, that God would forgive them. And so today when you look at your life with the Lord and you say, well, Jake, my, my sin is not that big of a deal. I have, uh, I have the fruit of the Spirit on my uh, phone app right here because every time I get angry, I look at it and I read those. You say, why don't you have them memorized? Because when I get angry, it don't matter what I've memorized, it's gone. Right? Or, or I'm, sit, I'm sitting at the ballgame last night and something just really ticked me off and I'm looking at my phone going... Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, self-control. Right? I even read this before I ate a third plate of pizza last night. Because the last one is self-control. You say, oh, that's stupid. For me, I need it. Because I know the Lord cares about my life. He cares about the things that I'm going through. He doesn't want me to struggle with the sin in my life that I have just turned a blind eye to with. And so He gave us His Word. And so for me, it's right here. right. And I am reading it and reading it. When my wife and I, this morning when it wasn't going real well before I come to church, this is what I'm looking at. This is it. Why? Because I believe that the Lord wants to be involved in every decision that we make 
every situation that we go through, whether it's spiritual, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's the simple things of your life. God has a purpose and plan in all of it. And if we will begin to live that way, we will begin to think that way, it will be amazing, I believe, what God can use us for to do. You say, well, Jake, what is an example of that? All right, I'll give you one. Even as something as simple as where you eat. You say, well, Jake, God doesn't care what I eat, where I eat. Well, He might not care about what you eat, but He might care about the young lady that's waitressing you when you get there. He might care about that young girl that's cooking the food in the back, that's struggling at home and has discouragement. And when she brings the fried chicken out for the buffet, how you treat her matters to God. As you can tell, I like buffets. Trying to do better. But nothing makes me matter than when something runs out on a buffet and someone says, was it ever coming out? Because everything in me want to say, you probably ought to skip it anyway. And the poor girl will bring it out, put it in the little whatever you call that. Well, I didn't know it was ever going to come out. You don't think that matters to God? You don't think that young lady or young man matters to God? You don't think the testimony that we have matters to God? It does. Let's make you even more angry at me this morning. How about when you go to the doctor and you're sitting in the waiting room and you don't understand why 13 people have went in front of you or you don't understand why you, they told you to be there an hour early and yet you're now sitting an hour later. You say, well, I'm not praying at a time like that. That's when you ought to be praying the most. Lord, who could you have brought in to sit next to me that, that needs a godly witness? Lord, which one of these nurses or receptionists, Lord, that, that needs that encouragement, a kind word, a, a godly influence? You say, well, I'm not going to pray like that because I'm going to do what I want when I'm on my own time. If you're a Christian, it's not your time. It's His. God did not just save you to sit here on Sunday. God saved you so that wherever you go and whoever you impact and ever you come in contact can see that there is something different about you. That there is something different about who has changed you and saved you and forgiven you. And so Jesus cares about us. second thing I want to show you from this passage of Scripture is not only did He care about them and us, we see that Jesus provides for the people in need. Look what it says here in verses 4-7. through seven. Then His disciples answered, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? Now don't, don't miss that word for satisfy. They didn't say how do you feed people or how do you just make people full. That word for satisfied is different. You have ate meals and thought, okay, I had to eat. And you've probably ate meals that when you sat and finished, you thought, i got to unbutton my top button. Oh, that was delicious. Right? You, if you're like me, you sit back and you rub your belly, right? Oh, Thanksgiving dinner. Christmas dinner. Buffets. Right? 
And there's other times you went through a fast food restaurant and you thought, well, that wasn't worth eating, but I had to eat, right? They said, how can you satisfy people with bread? Not meet the need, but satisfy. This is important this morning because what was just a simple need, they thought, well, God, how are you going to do something amazing with that? How can you do something amazing in the everyday situations of life. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so today I want to encourage you that when you think about the situations that you're going through or the situations that someone else is going through, when we read that verse and we hear it quoted a lot, do you know what was going on before that? They were giving to Paul. Paul had needs that they had met. And he said, trust me, whatever it's cost you, whatever you've done, God can take care of what you need to replace it and then some. Now, I'm not talking about just money this morning. I'm talking about every area of your life. Whether it's a need for patience, whether it's the need for joy or forgiveness, whether it's the need of salvation, whether it's the need of rededication, whatever it is, you need to know that God is able to meet that need. That He is able to provide that He is able to work. You say, well, Jake, I have no needs. I have everything I want. Well, friends, I would say most likely you have stopped looking at what you really need. Are all the people in your family saved? Could your marriage be better? Could you make a difference at work more for Christ? Those things are what you really need. The basic necessities of life and to be used by God. Friends, I, I want you to know this, that people are a mess. People are hurting. It doesn't matter how much they smile at you in public. It doesn't matter how well you dress on Sunday morning. I want you to know that people are broken. And the world that we live in tells them it can't get any better. There's no hope. Just be miserable. Just give up. Just give in. And friends, I want you to know that that's not what God has in store for His people. And it's not what He has in store for those who He's going to save. As I read the Word of God, and I've been trying to study, and I've been trying to do better in my own life, how many times the Bible talks about when the Spirit of God comes to live within you, and how He works in you, and how He strengthens you, how He convicts you, how He can encourage you, how He can provide for you, how He can make a difference for you. And then I look at my life and I think, well, Jake, you you were were the same grouch at the ball game that you shouldn't have been. Or man, you had no compassion on that person when you know they needed it. Or you didn't have the courage to speak the truth in a situation that you should have. And friends, what I believe is the Lord is wanting to use you. And He's wanting to use me. And He has purposes and plans in the everyday moments of your life if we will just slow down and say, God, I want to be used by You on Monday. I want to be used by You on Tuesday. 
Lord, I want to be used on, by you on Thursday evening. I want to be used by you, Lord, on Saturday morning. If we'll just trust Him to provide. And the third and final thing this morning is that Jesus not only provides, but He satisfies. This is big. Look what it says in verse 8 through 10. So they ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets and leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and He sent them away, immediately got into the boat with His disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. Now, that word for filled is not just, I ate too much and now I'm miserable. No, it is that they were filled and satisfied. Just like the disciples had asked, not knowing, how can you satisfy what they need? Jesus says, I'm not just going to meet the need, I'm going to meet the need in abundance. And this morning I want you to know something. You have to be very careful anytime you teach about the blessings and the provision of God because somebody will take it and they'll listen to Joel and they'll think that God wants you to be wealthy and healthy and rich and famous and all of these things. But friends, I really do believe that we have a God that wants to respond to His people and not just what we need, but Lord, keep us satisfied. Keep us in a place where, Lord, You are good. Lord, You are blessing. You are working. You say, well, Jake, wait a second. How can that be the case when I'm in the valley of my life? When everything has fallen apart. When I'm struggling with sin or addiction or loss or heartache. How can God meet my need and satisfy what I'm going through? How? Well, listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 13. We quote this part of this verse all the time. It's one of the most quoted verses in the New Testament, but we don't ever quote all of it. So listen to what it says in verse thir- chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. So Lord, I don't need everything. Lord, I need what you want me to have. It starts with my heart. Lord, I can't be coveting what other people want, what other people have. Lord, I have to trust You that what You have for me is what's best. It starts there. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. And so God, I'm going to trust You. It might not be what everyone else has. It might not be what I thought I wanted, but Lord, I'm content. Lord, I know that You're enough in my life. Lord, I know that You're faithful enough in my life. Lord, I know that You'll walk with me in the dark moments of my life with such things as You have, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You say, well, how can I be satisfied by that? What He's teaching us is, that when you really know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, He's enough. Now that's not going to be popular this morning. I love my wife. I love my children. 
I love my family. I love the blessings that God has given me. But when it all comes down to it, when push comes to shove, when I lay my head on the pillow at night and I get ready to close my eyes knowing that I might never wake enough, is Jesus it? Is He the reason why I live? Is He the reason why I love? Is He the reason that I trust? Is He the reason that I hope? Because if not, friends, I will never be satisfied. Friends, this morning I want you to know something. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're singing songs. I'm glad that you're committed to your church. But friends, if you don't really know Him, if you don't really have a relationship with Him, is the Lord returning or did something just happen? I thought it's happening on a Sunday morning. And for all of you who have been blinded by the five head, I'm sorry. You see, that's a whole lot of reflection on a whole lot of forehead. I thought, it's happening. I've seen the light. But what a better way to go talking about that. Friends, I ask you that because, friends, so many times we think about religion and we think about church and we think about all of the things that we shouldn't do or should do, the goods and bads and the yeses and the noes. But this morning I ask you, do you really know Him? Do you really have a relationship with Him? Are you able to pray and to seek Him and to know Him and to love Him? Because friends, if that can happen, everything else can change. When you really know Him as the forgiver of your sins, as the One who has you in the palm of His hand, the One who is going to take you to heaven someday, the One who is willing to listen to your prayers, the One who takes your prayers and petitions God the Father, the One who sits at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us. What it means is, Lord, forgive them because they don't deserve it, but what I have done for them is enough. Friends, if you don't know Him this morning, and I don't mean that you prayed a prayer when you were eight years old. I mean today, do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? I believe in the security of the believer. I believe that when God saves you, He keeps you. But quit believing the lie that you can say a prayer when you're little and live however you want and then expect somebody like me to show up at your funeral and say, they're in heaven. They've made it. Because friends, I want you to know something. When Jesus saves you and Jesus changes you and you begin to know Him and love Him, everything changes. You might go through seasons where you fail Him and the Bible says you can quench the Spirit of God and you can stumble and you can struggle and you can go wayward. But this morning as I ask you this and praying that the Spirit of God is convicting you and drawing you to Himself, do you know Him? Because friends, Jesus said that He was truly the bread of life. And while He met their physical need and they were satisfied, He can do that for you this morning. But the greatest need that you have, the greatest need that I have, the greatest need that my children have is for them to know Him as the bread of life. To know Him that when their friends fail them and their parents fail them, and their church fails them, and the government fails them, that He will not fail. When we have to leave each other, whether it's by choice, or by death, or by distance, and we don't want that, that He will never 
leave us. But friends, that promise only matters if you want Him to be with you. And don't miss this. Some people look better going than they look coming. And I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean that some people just stink. And it's better to be away from them than with them. And so the old saying is, it's better to see them go than to see them come. But if you really love someone and care about someone, there's nothing more than you want than to do what? Be with them. That's why it's always so funny when you watch a couple when they first start dating, right? I was there. I've, I've experienced it, right? They want to talk on the phone all the time. They want to text all the time. They want to be together all the time. You're in a truck together. You're driving. The girl's sitting right here next to you, right? Oh, it's so cute. It's so wonderful. And if you're the dad, you're thinking, where can I bury the body? And, and, uh, but right, you see it. That's what they want all the time. But then you see them get married, and it's still that way for a while, right? Oh, they want to be together. They want to do it. But as time goes, women, it's all your fault, right? Men stay in the same spot. You slide all the way across, right? And, and that desire to talk and to text and to be together, it's like, oh, I'll just see her when I get home. And no, not everyone's that way. Please don't think that I'm saying that. But what I'm saying is, when you first feel like you're in love, it's like, I don't want to see anyone other than them. But friends, in our relationship with the Lord, I ask you that question. If He was to leave, would it change anything about you? That's a scary thought. If the people that you say that you love, if you were gone, would it mean anything at all to them at all? Would there be any difference? And so this morning, as Jesus meets them in this basic need of hunger, they weren't going to die because of it. They might have had some inconveniences from it. But yet Jesus looked at their need and had compassion. Friends, I think it's a wonderful witness for us and a testimony for us that as we look at people, even in the simplest moments of life, and remember that God cares for them. Today, maybe it's you and you're saying, Jake, I, I, I just don't know if God still cares or God still is involved or God still is, is, has anything to do with me. Know that He does. Know that He does. One, it means this. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, that God loves you. That He died upon the cross for you. That He was buried and that He rose again, conquering sin and death in the grave. You say, well, Jake, I can't give much money, or I don't have much talent, or Jake, I've got a terrible past. Listen, the Lord cares about your need to be saved. You say, well, Jake, I am a Christian, and I'm not living that bad. I don't think there's anything major wrong. I don't do any great big sins. But yet, friends, are you loving Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? When you live your life, when you go where God sends you, do you care about Him? Lord, how, how can I be used by You as I go to the grocery store, as I go to the doctor's office, as I go to work? Lord, those people that frustrate me at work, Lord, they are a burden, but Lord, they're a burden that You would look at with compassion. And Lord, help me to have compassion for them. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, Jake, I feel like I'm a Christian. I feel like my relationship with the Lord is where it should be. Then what should my attitude be? 
then friends, you ought to be thankful that you have been satisfied. You ought to be thanking God, the fact that He loves you, the fact that He cares about you, the fact that He's using you, the fact that He's working in your life, the fact that He is giving you opportunities. Friends, be thankful. Don't, don't feel bad that God has blessed you and that God is working. Be thankful. And say, Lord, what do you want from me next? Because as Jesus looked out over the thousands of people, they'd already been fed before. You know some of them were probably there the last time. But yet He did it anyway. You ever wonder why this miracle is one that He would do twice? Don't you think He would have started telling people, bring your own food? Don't you think people would have started to realize, I might be there a few days at a time? That's the things we would say, right? You should have known better. You should have planned better. You should have done better. But Jesus looked out over them and had compassion. Today, if it gives you nothing else, when you look out over the problems of this world, the problems of your neighbors, the problems of your family, and you say they should have known better, they could have done better, they could have done differently, I encourage you to say, Lord, give me a heart that you would have for them. Because I can promise you the answer will be to have compassion. Friends, in a world that has no love, compassion, and mercy, let us be people of it. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word, not mine. Lord, I thank You for the words that You've given us. Lord, I pray today for its simplicity. And Lord, I am so sorry for making things so difficult. Lord, today I pray that You would speak and work in the hearts of each and every man, woman, boy, and girl here today. Lord, help us to realize the great purposes and plans that You have through Your people, through Your church. And today, Lord, I help it, ask that You'd help us to achieve them all for Your glory. And Lord, I ask them in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.